When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Starfellows, your favorite D&D podcast in a galaxy far, far away. Joining me for the finale of season three are my friends. You know them. You love them. Hannah. Hello. Mills. What's up? And Brennan. Hi, guys. Where? I like how you just waved Brennan. Yeah, this is a podcast. I <laughs> that was about uh we are uh starting the final leg of our journey today the last time the crew was all assembled uh was actually two episodes ago um last episode was all about akala um and our current party has no knowledge of those events but we are rejoining the argonauts uh mix rama and l in a clearing in the forests of rhodia and the betu wilds and the chakla nature basin you guys have traveled for three days through dense jungle getting turned around on the first day and suffering a level of exhaustion for the rest of your journey you are of course in search of a mysterious band of qua that you believe to be uh the remnants of the ancient qua species who now go by uh, the name the order of the bendu this is, of course, uh, the order of people that L was supposedly searching for and maybe encountered when they fell uh, off of great heights very back in the beginning of this journey. You are, of course, searching for these people because you believe that they have knowledge of the Infinity Gate technology that was once used by the Infinite Empire and the Rakatans to travel the galaxy. And you are, of course, searching for this technology so that you may get to Lehan the home planet of the Rakatans and Telemax, uh, the last empire, or the last emperor of the Infinite Empire. You believe that such a Infinity Gate lies somewhere on Rhodia and you need the help of the Qua to find it. Yet you have not found the Qua as of yet. You have found yourself now in a clearing surrounded by dense jungle trees and in front of you stands a creature of stone and plant. A golem of sorts made from thick vines like tree trunks 
and rocks embedded into its figure. It stands before you in front of a well-manicured line of trees that looks suspiciously out of place in the chaotic jungle biome that you otherwise find yourselves in. This creature takes several steps forward towards you in the clearing, still shadowed by the leaves and branches of the trees behind it, and it lets out a primal roar. And it blocks your path. What would you guys like to do? <clears throat> Probably take out my guns. Um, Wonderful. Yeah, it usually solves problems. Um, <laughs> so. so funny. I had the opposite inclination where I was going <laughs> to put my hands, like, palm open and, like, slowly approach. Uh, I'll stand back on that one. And then I'll uh, probably, if, if, I think Rama knows at this point, Rama knows uh, you well enough, like, that if there's going to be a nonviolent solution, I would assume that our favorite um, uh, friendly neighborhood, L, would take it. So I'm going to trust you and back up. Still guns drawn just in case things go south. Uh, wonderful. So, L, you approach with your arms outstretched towards this uh, creature of nature and rock, and it sort of uh, reaches its arms out in a almost welcoming gesture, although it does still look threatening. And a series of vines start to protrude from its limbs and sort of uh, inquisitively snake their way towards you. Um, what is your like intentions with this creature? Um, I want to, in some level, try to, I guess, communicate with it. It seems like there's, it has a kind of intelligence. Um, so, like, I just want to communicate, like, hey, we're cool. Um, you know, we don't mean to harm the jungle or you or anything just like let's be friends um interesting okay go ahead and roll me um an insight check animal handling (laughs) no uh insight please (laughs) please give me insight fuck it's a natural one a natural one to start the episode um Okay, that die is going over here for now. So with that uh, critical failure, uh, you, I think, are are very, like, in your own belief of, like, I'm of no harm. This is just a creature. It does. I don't need to be scared of this nature thing. Um, and I think that, like, your perception of this is, like, if I just kind of, like, get with the program with this thing, then everything yeah. should work out fine. Everything will be fine. Um, this thing extends its arms and its tentacles as it kind of like walks calmly to close the distance and you find yourself uh wrapped up in some of these vines and like gently lifted into the air and like brought close to this thing's chest and are you find yourself like bound by vines like onto this thing's chest and then it turns to look at the other two members of your party um and stands there once again um protecting its ground uh, L, you good? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> Great. Should I start shooting? I can start shooting. Maybe, like, don't start shooting yet. All right. It's if it, like, tries though. to eat me or something, then, you know, give it hell, but... 
What if it gives you like a really dirty look or something? Yeah, I feel like it's going to be kind of hard to read animal plant monstrosity emotions on its face. So uh, maybe we hold off on that. You feel uh, as you're kind of having this conversation, like the vines start like creeping like tighter and tighter around you. But instead of feeling like compressed as if coiled by a snake, what you feel instead, Elle, is like a feeling of like being pulled further into this creature. And you realize that like you're being kind of like pulled into this mass of like wood and foliage. Um, and after a moment or two, like there's only like a few inches of like your face that are like kind of exposed with along with your hands, but like at your limbs and your like torso are like being sucked into this tree. Yeah, I'd very much like to try and break out of that. <laughs> sure, go ahead and give me a strength check. Elle, like, flexes and the vines just snap around the biceps. <laughs> he just blows it a kissy face and then it lets go. Uh, 18. 18. Okay, this thing is hecka strong. Get my dice. I think it's a plus four to strength. Oh, so, so it's not as strong as me, that's fine. Stronger than me. <laughs> It rolled a natural 20. Jesus Christ. Oh my god. You finale struggle. Vibes, oh, the finale. <laughs> you struggle against this thing, realizing um, that your earlier perception of the situation may not have been entirely accurate. But as you have been sucked, you get fully like sucked in, and this tree uh, monster closes up behind you, and you find yourself like huddled and like constrained inside the uh, chest cavity of this monstrous tree golem. Um, on the outside, uh, Mix and Rama, you see the monster as it was before, but now uh, more swollen looking in the stomach uh, and a little bit bigger. Um, and it has changed its shape to grow to accommodate the living creature inside of it. Initiative has not started, but... Uh. L, oh my fucking god, it ain't L. <laughs> Alright, time to start shooting. Well, actually, I might have a better idea. I'm gonna holster the guns and uh, light up the war sword and set it ablaze. <laughs> nice, so you, uh, so we're gonna, I'm gonna, so we're gonna roll initiative then. Um, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead and do that for me. All of us? Yep. Oh, that's not great. Well, except for L. Uh, that's an I eight. I can't roll initiative? <laughs> I mean, you're like, bound inside of a tree well am i like i can am i like grappled and restrained or like what's like mechanically am i not able to make any choices um i yeah so mechanically getting nat 20 by this tree monster on a strength check you are yeah bound inside we'll say yeah we'll say it's like a normal grapple rules but we're since you're inside of this tree um go ahead and roll initiative you're going to need to roll strength uh, saves with disadvantage to try to get out of this thing and join combat. Um, go ahead and roll initiative for me. You also... Uh, so what, what did you guys get? Um, uh, I got a nine, and I also used one of my powers to re-roll. I only got two better, so... I uh, got an eight, which is a three on the die, so... <laughs> Why? Okay. We're gonna get like bodied by this tree before you even face the bone ghost. I got a twenty on initiative. Okay. This thing rolled a three. 
Everyone's okay. just like looking at each other. Like, you move first. You move first. <laughs> <laughs> Trees aren't very fast. L just walked into its arms like an old lover and uh, got got eight. <laughs> All right. Well, L, we'll start then with your your strength save at disadvantage. Okay, that's a seventeen. Seventeen. Uh, seventeen does uh, match it. Uh, match the DC. So you are able to. And that was with disadvantage. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, there's the good rolls. Um, yeah, so at the at the top of the initiative order, Rama draws his fire sword, um, and this thing is like, oh, we're fighting now? Okay, great. And so it squares up. Um, and L, I'm going to say that you're able to, uh, like, get your some of your arm free and are able to, like, pry open the bark on this thing's chest to, like, force yourself out, um, and you, like, fall onto the ground in front of it using um, much of your strength um, and the, the metal of your, your Beskar arm to kind of pry and dig your way out. Um, but that's going to be your turn. Um, next, it's going to be uh, Mix. It Does it look like it's still going to, like, attack? Or does it look, you know, aggressive? It does look aggressive, yeah. It looks like once it saw that sword that it... it got the memo especially the fire part of it it oh right really... right right okay i'm i'm gonna yeah lightsaber attack it um <clears throat> mostly for the mind so it can't uh scoop any of us again sure yeah attack this thing's vines that is one 17 to hit 17 does it and i'm gonna attack it again that's a non-natural 20 so i assume that does hit yes ma'am 14 damage to hit. Uh, yes, 14 damage. Very good. So you leap into action as you see, like, L pry themselves out of this thing's chest. Um, and you leap over L's body on the ground and strike this thing twice with your lightsaber, cutting off several of the vines that are creeping out from its body. Um, and you deal 14 damage. Um, next it is going to be Rama's turn. I'm going to uh, follow suit and uh, see if I can cut some vines myself. Very good. Uh, get in there with your sword, big guy. That's a 21 to hit. That'll do it. That is 12 kinetic and 5 fire. 12 kinetic and 5 fire. The fire damage is going to get doubled since it's weak to it, so that's going to be 30 total damage. Right? 20 normal, 5 fire. Is that what you said? No, no, that's 12 normal. <laughs> 12, okay, sorry. Uh, so 22 then total damage. <laughs> that's a hell of a sword there, damn. <laughs> um, great, yeah, so you uh, run up and flank Mix, uh, draw your sword with a fiery sweep. You uh, slice some more vines and cut into the bark of this thing, setting part of the leaves and foliage ablaze. Um, and nicking some of the rocks sticking out of this thing's body. Um, it roars, and you hear kind of like an animalistic uh, like screech and squeal as these vines are burned away. Um, and now it is uh, the Construct's turn. So, uh, on this thing's turn, you notice that the clearing that you're in uh, starts to shift. The trees and foliage around you start to creep in. And you notice over the course of a few moments that the trees are starting to encircle you um, and 10 feet of space on each side has been taken up by more trees. This thing takes uh, a moment to kind of collect itself and then you will see it deform. The foliage and rocks 
seeping into the earth under the cover of this foliage. And for a moment, it is gone. And then behind you, you hear the creaking and crackling of branches and wood moving and rocks banging together as this thing reforms on the opposite side of the tree clearing, just behind Rama. Um, and it is going to use an attack here. Um, it is going to try to hit you with its tree claws. Tree claws? Let's see, that is going to be a 12 for the first hit, which I know will miss. And that'll be a 17 to hit for the second hit, Rama. I have an 18. Woo! Okay, so that misses. <laughs> so um, despite this thing's maneuvering and teleportation uh, over to the other side of the trees, um, it whiffs you. But it is now behind you guys from the original position you were in. So now it's going to be L's turn again. Okay, how far away is it from me? Um, now it is about 20 feet. Okay, I am going to run up to it and slash at it with my lightsaber. <laughs> Business as usual for old Al. Um, mm-hmm. You uh, you stand up and kind of get the remaining like foliage and stuff off of you, um, and you rush over to it and strike it with your lightsaber. Roll to hit. Oh, actually, first I'm going to bonus action phase strike. So I will take this first hit at advantage. Um, that is a 19. 19, that's going to hit. And I'll pump a Divine Smite into it. Okay. 22 plus 5 energy damage. So that's 27 damage for the first hit. Wow, okay. Damn! Um, and then for the second strike... Uh, that's almost a nat 20, but it wasn't. Um, that is a 23. And then I will also... I assume that hits. Uh, 23 to hit. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, and then I will also pump a Divine Smite into that. 18 energy damage on the second strike. And that is my turn. Yeah, so just in a series of two uh, hits there, you're able to lop off um, part of this thing's, like, vine constructed arms um and you hear it call out and sort of roar um but you see that the vines start growing back from the things that you've slashed um and start growing over the wounds but it does look like it has diminished in stature um next we're going to go to mix's turn sorry actually i'm so sorry i'm gonna move back 30 feet because i can and i won't get opportunity attacks gotcha (laughs) okay i'm gonna do two lights and reds very good 17 and 11. Uh, the 17 will hit, but the 11 will not. Yeah, okay. I will also uh, spend a force empowered strike into it for some extra damage. That is uh, 11 damage. Okay. So you, uh, Akala, you follow up from L's attacks, uh, not Akala, Mix, you follow up from L's attacks, um, and in concert, you two uh, combo this thing with your lightsabers, slicing at various vines, um, and forming a veritable whirlwind of lightsaber blades whooshing um, around this thing, a clash of white and pale blue, um, fly through this thing's uh, leaves and foliage. Uh, Rama, why don't you get on the action here too, buddy? All right, war sword a-coming. 
or not. Uh, five plus seven. Oh boy, that's uh, the first strike is a twelve. The second one is a thirteen. Uh, neither is it. <laughs> it's just Rama clunking along in Beskar with a hunk of metal being like, guys, let me get it, let me get it. <laughs> the acrobatic lightsabers going on. Okay, um, as you miss these attacks and get into its range, uh, the golem is going to use a reaction um, to make a counterattack against you, Rama. So we're going to roll the hit on that. Um... That's 11, so that's terrible. That's bad. Uh, we got one not 20, and then it's in the gutter. Uh, so that it swipes at you as you uh, swipe at it, but both of you miss each other, uh, and you guys reset um, in combat position. Um, that was this thing's reaction. Of course, has a full turn to make, um, and it is going to uh, cast a power. You feel uh, the tree line and this thing shudder in unison as a great strong wind um, is felt roaring through the leaves and the trees, um, and the temperature drops. The ground shakes from underneath all of you, and vines pop up from underneath to entangle you in sharp barbs and thorns. I need everyone to make me a constitution saving throw. Oh, thank God. Not dexterity. I'm so Ooh. much better at con saving throws than dexterity saving throws. That's a 24. 14. 17. Um... I am going to... I'm going to give heads up to Akala. Just oh, to... She's not here. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Anne's face and thought Akala. I'm so sorry. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's from all the heads up from when Akala was falling in a pit. Um, I'm going to give a heads up to Mix. <laughs> um, add six to that. Oh, hell yeah. That's a 20 then. <laughs> wow. Um, so you, you all passed then. Um... Yeah, fuck you, Gollum. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to flavor this as you guys, um, Rama. You realize what's happening and ignite your jetpack and, and launch into the air to avoid these these thorns. Um, L and uh, Mix, both sensing these barbs coming up from underneath you, also jump in the air um, and uh, and find yourself like clinging onto the branches of nearby trees briefly while the thorns come up. But you guys uh, are able to avoid the threat um, and find yourselves back on the ground ready to continue the fight after a moment um, the thorns dissipate. Um, that's now going to bring us back to L. Well, I got one trick. Yeah. And it's to run up to it and it's to swing my lightsaber very hard. It is all I know. <laughs> uh, that first hit is a 22. That hits. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll blow a divine, uh, what's it, a force-empowered strike. Plus six, it's 15, plus five, that is 20 damage on the first hit. Wonderful. And then this next hit, I'm going to try really hard to crit, because I think that'd be fun. I did not crit, but I still got a 26. Okay, maybe that still hits. Um, it would be fun if it was a crit, though. <laughs> maybe next time. Maybe next time. Um, and... I'll just go regular on this one. I don't use all my force points. Uh, so that's eight damage on the second hit. And I'm still up next to it. So for uh, my bonus action, I will she inform. Wonderful. As I just sort of stance fuck up. Um, yeah, I 
I want to take a moment, like, this battle scene has been immaculate. You guys, uh, so L gets swallowed by the tree to, to start and busts out, and you guys immediately leap into action, and over the course of several turns of combat, you've been hacking and slashing your way through this thing with ease. Uh, you all are operating as a unit, like a well-oiled machine, um, of a whirlwind of blades and lightsabers, and this thing looks overwhelmed, but it is still standing, um, if only just. So that's going to bring us to Mix's turn. Uh, yeah, two lightsaber heads. I'm just, like, saving all my my stuff with, um, limited use for, for later. Smart. Um, oh, that's a nat 20. I took your crit, Amelia. <laughs> it's okay, you can have it. <laughs> um, and then uh, a 16. Wonderful. Uh, those will both hit. Amazing. I just... Rolled all my dice really quickly, and I think I forgot. No, I remember. It's um, six, 16 damage total for both hits. Mix, how does this thing uh, die? Tell me how you kill it. Um, I think um, Mix does like a very powerful leap into the air and splits it down the middle with the lightsaber. I like it. It's very anime. You guys are kind of this whirlwind <laughs> yeah. of, of blades. And as this thing is overwhelmed and like not sure who to focus on, you leap into the air with your lightsaber blazing and do one downward chop, slicing this thing in two. Um, you guys are out of initiative, and the beast has been defeated. Um, as it is slain, uh, you all see um, a greenish sort of smoky spirit um, that takes the shape of a antlered stag, kind of like leap up out of its body into the jungle. Um, it me. <laughs> um, and in the direction uh, that that spirit jumps off to and leaps off to, the trees kind of swirl um, and move. You guys look around in the space that you're fighting in, and you realize that this clearing has gotten dramatically smaller. That there is now only about of 30 feet of space in between this dense tree line and clearing and the trees are so close and the vegetation is so dense that you would have to squeeze very tightly to exit it. It's uh, getting a little tight in here, guys. Maybe we should move? Yeah, somebody dumped a bunch of fertilizer around here or something. I'll tell you. Terraforming or... I don't know. I don't like it. Um, go ahead, um... Ooh, uh, Rama, do a uh, do me a perception check. Uh, it's a nine. Um, it's a nine. Um, <laughs> it's a nine. you repeated that back. Sure is. Um, let's do this. Uh, Rama, you look around after this battle, and you kind of do a quick head count, and you're like, "Yeah, L, mix and match, me. That's everybody, right?" Yeah, L, mix, match, me. Uh, wait, is Monkey around? Do we take Monkey? You don't see Aaron anywhere. He was definitely with <laughs> oh, you. Oh, Aaron, yeah, he's Aaron now. Um, Wasn't Digo also with us? <laughs> also notice that Digo's no longer with you. Oh, no. Uh, guys, I think we got everybody. But just in case we don't, am I miscounting? Uh, How many people are you counting right now, Rama? Alright, so we got one, two... Oh, shit! Digo! Aaron! Digo! 
Aaron, guys, don't panic. I think Digo and Aaron are gone. How tall are these trees? Um, like I'm feeling like redwood size, <laughs> like, like, like tall as hell. Like, could I'm you so climb strong. them? Yes. Would they be dangerous? Like, also yes. But I'm so strong. Um, you guys. So, I mean, if you want to try to like squeeze through or like climb them, you can. That's oh, I can, can try to do. I'm gonna fire up the jetpack and get a bird's eye view. Um. <laughs> okay. So, Romba, you fire up the jetpack, um, and you start just going straight up. I imagine. Yep. Okay, so you go up and up and up, and suddenly you're like, man, I must have gone like about 150 feet in the air, and you start approaching the canopy, and the canopy over you is quite dense, um, and you burst through the trees, singeing some uh, leaves on the, the way through, and you look down, and all you see is just green forest cover, just a completely like unbroken like cellular looking like patch of canopy over this like dense basin and you look around and you can kind of you can see like the falls and the cliffs that you guys had to descend um yesterday uh to get here and like way in the distance you see like the bubble dome um over the betu uh region um but you don't see anything in the local area like any landmarks or anything like that Oh boy! I'm gonna uh, come back down. All right, guys, couldn't find anything. Can't be too thick. Nothing but green. Make me a piloting check. What? Uh, twelve plus piloting. It's an eighteen. An eighteen. You, uh, you come down with, like, through the singed trees, and you, like, land, you're, like, start talking, uh, to your friends again, and then you look around and you realize that they're not, they're not here. Oh, no. You've landed someplace different. But as you start talking, like, you do, like, look, like, left and right, and you realize that you didn't go too far, you're just on the other side of one of these walls of trees, and you can hear your friends on the other side. Uh, hey, guys. Guys, can you hear me? Hey, got to the other side. What yeah. do you see over there? Uh, what do I see over here, Rob? <laughs> you, uh, you turn around and you come face to face with a horde of lizard folk. Oh, you see boy. <laughs> uh, about twenty, uh, about about thirty. Um, the best way to describe these uh, creatures is that imagine a D and D like traditional dragonborn uh, creature, with the added addition of a feathered mane that runs down from their scalp to their uh, midsection on their back, mm. um, and they're like multicolored, like red and orange feathers on blue scaly lizard skin. But they've got like uh, you know reptilian snouts um, and lizard-like eyes. And with them, you see they have strung up on a post, um, being carried with their hands and ankles bound on a log. You see Digo Nevada. Um, and uh, a lizard uh, folk, uh, Qua, um, member of the Qua species, uh, walks up uh, to the middle distance to Urama and says, Lay down your arms or we will not return your friend. 
Uh, mm. I, I think we could talk about this. I, uh, part of my... You got a moment to talk about Mandalorianism. We're not supposed to, like... Weapons are part of my religion, so if you and I... We can have an understanding, you know. Uh, just in case... I'm going to try and speak loud enough to where everyone can hear me behind. Uh, it's nice to meet you, folk. Uh, good to see you've got, uh... My friend tied up. Uh... That's, that's really crazy, huh? Uh... Anyway... <clears throat> could, uh... So I can't really give them up, but, uh... Maybe we could talk about something else. Um... Do you... Uh, what do you like? Do yes, you like food? there is... There is much for us to discuss. Um... And giving you, like, a wry, but, like, very intimidating, lizard-like smile, um, filled with, like, very sharp teeth, this, uh, member of the Qua species... Uh, waves their hand, and the tree line behind you, um, with, like, a rudy, uh, gargling, like, earthen gravel, like, wrenches to the side as the trees reform and join these two clearings, including the rest of the party in this conversation. Um, and as you guys are rejoined, the quab woman looks at all of you and says, You are trespassing on sacred grounds. And you have defeated the guardian spirit. Pray tell who comes to step on these hallowed leaves. <clears throat> yeah, Ella, uh, pray tell. <laughs> yeah. I'll I pray you pray can tell. tell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hello, my name is L. We are here kind of a little bit Jedi adjacent, um, we believe there's an existential threat to the galaxy, and we were hoping to find some answers here. Didn't mean to start anything with the Guardian of the Forest, but it wrapped all its vines around me, and I got a little scared, if I'm being honest. And it's a, it's a real exponential threat. I mean, this thing is huge. Um... L, I, when you say the word Jedi, you hear, like, a very disapproving mutter in the native Kwa language, a gargle from the throats of the lizard people uh, behind Yeah, I know. Body. I'm not, like, their biggest fan either, but right now. As you, uh, so, yeah, you say that. Uh, the Kwa woman responds by saying, And why should we be so concerned with the worries of the Jedi? Well, it's uh, less to do with the Jedi for y'all and more to do with the Bendu, I'd say. When you say the Bendu, uh, a very, like, positive murmur kind of ripples through the crowd of lizard folk, um, and you see that they start, like, talking uh, almost reverently. Um, the Bendu, you say, and what know of you of the Bendu? Um, well... We kind of talk in dreams and stuff. Um, there's like a staff somewhere that exists. I uh, kind of work for the Bendu to help protect the balance of the force in the universe. Um. <laughs> I'm a special little boy. <laughs> <laughs> Make me a persuasion check. Okay, so I have my lightsaber out. 
still, just just in case that's relevant. In case you're making a contested check, it's important. Okay, this is a die that I got a nat one on. I'm trying to give it a chance to redeem itself. <laughs> Persuasion? Mm-hmm. 27. 27 oh, sorry. Is... 28. <laughs> oh, 28. LB like. <laughs> 28 is very good. Um... You mentioned that you have a, this relationship with the Bendu through your dreams and that you're his special little boy. <laughs> and why? Um, a sense of like shocked belief, but like awe is on the, the faces of these people as they sort of like register what you're saying. Um, have that this, effect on people. <laughs> <laughs> this Qua woman like regards you all and says, Perhaps, perhaps. You search for answers. And you say that you come at the behest of the Bendu. And that would take you here, wouldn't it? Yes. Well then. I think it is time that we convene once more. For you have been here before. Though you may not remember in full. Indeed, you were not alive last you stepped foot here. Follow us. Um, and they, she turns with her menagerie and starts leading you through the jungle. Hey, Mix, how would, uh, how would El be able to step foot in here if El's dead? You know, stepping foot's kind of a weird verb choice, you know? Well, I, I don't know. You would have to ask El. Uh. I don't want to ask Elle. Can you ask Elle for me? It seems like a sensitive uh, subject. I mean, like, you guys are closer, right? Yeah, but I mean, it's... They still kind of scare me. It seems like a sensitive subject. Yeah, I don't know. You're easy to talk to, you know? I like to think that you're having this conversation next to Digo, who is still tied up on the post. <laughs> like, it does seem kind of weird. Also, I think the blood is rushing through my head. <laughs> Yeah, I like to think that Elle can hear all of this and <laughs> yeah. just isn't responding. Like, I'm a few steps ahead, but definitely still within earshot. Just normal things. Elle um, beginning to wonder, am I like a reanimated corpse? That's <laughs> <laughs> what it sounds like. I mean... Uh, well, nevertheless. I mean, like, we thought he was dead for a while, but then, like, he wasn't, so maybe he, like, actually did die. I... Don't like how casually you said that. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't here. I don't know what happened. Um, L. So as you're marching along with these lizard folk, um, one uh member of the Qua Menagerie uh gets lockstep beside you, um, and looks over to the side at you, and you see that their eyes are glowing the same sort of uh, LED purple as Aaron's eyes, and this Qua says, "Hello, L." How's it going? Oh my god. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> Why? <sighs> Take so that good. deep sigh is in character. <laughs> yeah, it's going all right. Do not be alarmed. I'm not sure what conclusions you're drawing, but I decided to blend in with the local people while we were here. Yeah, that's basically the conclusion that I drew. <laughs> it's funny you should Very mention good. conclusions. <laughs> Very good. Uh, once you guys started fighting, I started exploring through the trees, and I found them 
uh, in a group, sort of observing the battle. So I decided to play along. You know, monkey business. <laughs> I don't know if I can hear that. <laughs> can I hear that? This is definitely a private conversation. Oh, damn, that's fair. <laughs> Yeah, I, okay, how about you just keep laying low and don't start anything? That was the plan. I only came over to tell you that I'm fairly sure that these people worship the Bendu in a pretty intense god sort of way. Noted and appreciated. Thank you, Aaron, for sharing that information. <laughs> Very good. And he uh, he turns away from you and kind of like flicks his head tail full of feathers, um, clearly like enjoying... <laughs> this form a little bit um and yeah like l rolls up. their eyes a little bit <laughs> <laughs> um you that guys are trying to be very positively reinforcing to Aaron. <laughs> um it's noted and appreciated uh <laughs> the fact that we gave it a claudite dna is the best decision we've ever made <laughs> <laughs> no. it's so whack oh boy yeah, just to recap, Aaron can turn invisible and impersonate any species. So And Aaron has two ears about it. Yeah, true. Aaron is better than I am now, blending in. Yeah, in terms of like the keeping score, it's like Rama on one side uh doesn't have two ears, Aaron on the other side has two ears, and it's uh, kinda not close. Uh Aaron clears, so Okay. Um, you guys are guided through the jungle, and after about a half an hour of walking um, through the jungle terrain, and a much easier path than you guys have had the past three days, it is clear that the Kwa um, are able to manipulate the fauna um, of the... I guess it's the flora, not the fauna. The flora of uh, the jungle to make a clear path to you guys. And you guys come to a clearing um, that has a, a beautiful stone uh temple and temple grounds all around it um in this like large uh clearing in the jungle there's a magnificent ziggurat um with like green emerald inlays and vines growing up the four corners of it um at the top of the ziggurat uh you guys notice the same statue that you guys saw on uh kajik at the shrine of uh, earth and water you see the same kind of a prostrate, cross-legged form meditating um, with an open hand to one side that looks like it could hold um, some sort of pull arm um, or long object. Um, it's quite a ways away, so you can't examine it any further at this moment. Uh, also in this clearing is a beautiful uh, pond, uh, like a deep pond that is next to some caves um, that glitter, and the pond is filled with like glorious... Uh, like shiny fish and other wildlife. There are uh, encampments where you see Kwa civilians and people um, living their lives just around bonfires, like a very simple sort of uh, life carved out in the jungle. You see a series of tree houses um, and other structures to kind of show that this place is like well lived in. Um, yes, so uh, the Kwa like, leads you to a uh, bonfire that looks very much like a communal cooking ground where there's several smaller bonfires around a central one that over which is like roasting a large um about like pig-sized giant lizard uh that is being served up uh as kind of like the, the night's meal uh you guys are kind of like gestured to sit at sort of a uh 
like low table that is meant to like sit on the ground at. Um, and this claw woman that encountered you in the clearing sits down at the table with you and says, Welcome to the shrine of the Bendu. We are the claw, the sole members of the cult of the Bendu, and the last remaining survivors of our once great species. Now is the time to get to know one another and to answer some long unknown questions. Uh, Robin Viron, Mandalorian, gun for hire, uh, license revoked. Nice to meet you. Well met, Sir Viron. Uh, Mix, this is my buddy Match. Uh, you need anything fixed? Hit me up. Ah, uh, yes. Mix, nice to meet you as well. I think uh, L is usually pretty like cool across every axis possible, um, and like pretty hard to read in general. Um, you can see for the first time L kind of looks a little nervous, <laughs> uh, even more so than like going up in front of the Jedi Council to like argue for his life and shit. <laughs> Uh, and he's like, um, um, L, but I think some of you, at least, already knew that. Yes, L, it is good to see you once again. And wholly yourself, it seems. I congratulate you on your recovery. Thank you, it, uh, wasn't easy. No, coming back from the dead is rarely easy, and few are ever able to do it. Yeah, I, uh, we're talking questions and answers. I feel like starting there might be a good one. I don't remember much of anything, really. Ah, I see how that may be jarring. Um, she kind of, like, contemplates for a second and says... To start at the very beginning, I suppose. I will answer the question of your death and rebirth, but you must bear with me for a moment. Uh, she gestures around and says, My name is Kuala. I have been governing the remainder of the Kwa species for the past thousand years. We have been blessed with long life on the condition that we stay here and guard the shrine of the Bendu. But we are to never leave, and we are here for but one purpose, which is to guard the remaining artifact of our god, the Bendu, the arbiter of nature, balance, peace, and neutrality within the world. Our story happened so long ago, it's hard to scarcely think about telling in full. We were once a great empire of force wielders who traveled the universe as best we could to bring the study of the force to sensitive species to advance their development into intergalactic participants in the, the order of the universe. We did so with the intention of bringing light and medicine and peace and technology to people. 
we pioneered the infinity gate technology to transfer easily from star system to star system. Our greatest downfall was to introduce this technology to a species called the Rakatans. Are you familiar with their story? Unfortunately, yes. Oh, let's see Rama nodding his head no, and I say, <laughs> maybe go over it, actually. The Rakatans were a particularly bloodthirsty and somewhat uh, primitive isn't the right word. They were advanced for normal intellectual civilizations, but they had sort of archaic understandings of war and peace, uh, an aggressive society that was fond of going to war with itself, as many proto-intergalactic species are wont to do. But their bloodthirst was particularly vicious, and they worshipped uh, a series of gods of war and bloodshed and domination. And in our arrogance, we thought that if we could introduce these people to the concept of the Force and the ideas of peace and order, that they could develop into something greater. And for a while they did. Um, we visited the planet, planet of Lehan and showed them starship technology and the infinity gates and how to use the Force. But to our great horror, they used these tools to weaponize themselves, not against each other, but against an entire galaxy of species to conquer and go to war with. They became known as the first truly dominant empire in the galaxy. And so we went to war with them. The whole galaxy went to war with them. It was the first great series of calamities in the galaxy. And we started it all. Eventually the empire was destroyed, thanks to the help of the Bendu and his gifts, as well as the Ashla and her gifts, but we were to be punished for misusing our own technology and powers. We have been outcast to be always neutral, always waiting for a time when the forces of light in the galaxy would be needed once more to combat the infinite empire and to do what we could not which is to prevent darkness from spreading over all of civilization. And so we've been here, guarding the temple of the Bendu and its secrets, preventing, hopefully, the remnants of the Infinite Empire forever getting hold of them. But there's always been a great fear that Emperor Telemax and his power would find a way all these years later to subvert the forces of good to come back, to seek out, well, to seek out what the Bendu kept hidden from him. Occasionally people try to find us, and when they do, the defenses that the Bendu left for us, our ability to control nature, the golem that you fought so valiantly outside of our gates, intercept them. When we found you, you had fallen from a great height just outside of our borders. And we found you tangled in the deep vines of one of the Gergeo trees. Not wanting to leave you for a feast of crows and other animals, we took you down and brought you to our temple and performed the burial rites for you. But 
and she gestures up to the top of the ziggurat. Our god had other plans. When we buried you, a tree grew over where you were placed. And after some days, you were risen from the ground by its roots and given new life. If deeply fractured and unaware of what had happened, so bad was your state you hardly recognized the things around you. And we knew that we could not keep you here, for this place is only for us, our special penance. So we took you back, placed you in the care of some of the fine Rodians on the other side of the dome, and let you be. But we never forgot that our master intervened for you. And now it seems that he has continued to, and has brought you here. And you speak of a great evil, and I am beginning to fear that, after all these years, our task may be coming to an end. Yeah, El doesn't really have anything to say to that. <laughs> Just sort of sitting there in stupefied silence, uh, as I think most people would do when they're presented with the information that they're a revenant of some kind. Yeah, she kind of like takes in your stunned silence and says, ruminate on this as you all want to do. And she turns then her attention to uh, Mix and Drama and says, what, what goes on outside the borders of our canopy that we yet not see? What force has driven you to seek us out? Uh, well, it's been a long story, but uh, it all started when some weird uh, nightmarish purple smoke creature things came about and started taking over bodies and wreaking havoc and they collaborated with the uh, giant militaristic force that's got the uh, aesthetic of a beehive and who is making all sorts of ungodly conglomerations of life and uh, they got together and invaded the home planet of uh, the human species uh, weird people I'll tell you what and uh, well every time we got together and tried to fight against evil, this, the weirdest thing in the world happened. There's, uh, this ghost thing that would show up and, uh, try and possess one of us. Uh, anyway, we lost, uh, lost some allies, um, including a, a dear friend of ours who, uh, we worry fell to the dark side. And, uh, not that would mean too much to you guys, you guys are neutral and all that, but, to be honest, I don't know exactly how to describe it. I'm not a learned man. I was a gun for hire. Seen a lot of weird shit over the years. All I can tell you is, Telemax, your first emperor guy. I think it's back in some way, shape, or form, and it's plotting. There's also the fact that we were hoping to track down some artifacts. We found a few of them. 
we're missing the uh, two of them. There's a dagger, and uh, the other one I think you guys can help with is the staff of uh, the Bendu. And we're hoping we could get them together and eliminate the first, uh, the Emperor of the Infinite Empire once and for all. She takes all this in, and you see, like, her expression fall as you get to, like, possession, force ghost, artifacts, staff and dagger, and you see, like, a sense of, like, dreaded recognition and understanding on her face. Um, That's good, because if you, look, if you understand what this is, I would love to know. I've just been along for the ride. She, uh, she puts, like, a, a clawed, like, lizard hand on the shoulder of your armor, Rama, and says... Do not disparage where you have come from, Rama. The greatest of us are forced into battle and into conflict when we need not choose it. But your words, I can tell, ring true. And the story you tells me grows a great darkness over my heart. For I believe it is time, the time that we were warned of. You are right. We possess the staff of the Bendu, a powerful artifact that was essential in the downfall of the Empire the first time, and now, I think, is being called into use once again. And though I am glad that this travesty is coming to an end, giving up the staff would mean the end of my people and our purpose here. Tell me, is it your intention and belief that you three can truly end this evil? I'm like, nudge L really quick. L.exe has stopped functioning. <laughs> I'm going to nudge Rix, I guess. <laughs> uh, we're we're going to do our best. We're going to do what we can. Indeed. An honest answer and a pure answer. Then we will do what we must to help you. If Talomax has resurrected himself in a suitable body. It has long been our fear that he will seek out the homeworld of the Rakatans, Lihon, where the remnants of the Starforge lie dormant. The Starforge itself is an artifact not on par with the things that you have referenced, but far exceeding it in power. It is an artifact that has been fueled and sated with the blood of a million foes. And even in dormancy, I fear that it may provide Telemax with a seat of power from which he could resurrect his empire. There are several ways in which we can help you, as we have been tasked to by the Bendu. The first is the staff, and yet we are not at freedom and liberty to just give it away. There is a trial that the staff will place upon you, all of you, though only one, I think, may wield it. And she kind of, like, looks at L. Um, what if it was mixed, though? Rob is going to, like, crack his knuckles. All right, so you want to arm wrestle for it? <laughs> it is not that sort of test. The Bendu, if you understand anything, as much as one could understand a god, prioritizes balance, neutrality, and acceptance of one's place within the universe. 
Rest for now. On tomorrow's eve, we will conduct the test, and if successful, the staff shall be granted to you. And from there, from there we will be able to, for the first time in a millennia, and perhaps the last time, activate an infinity gate. And uh, she kind of stands up from the table um, and like gestures to several like metallic structures that have overgrown in this like circular clearing. And she kind of points towards these pillars and you notice for the first time some like engravings and dirt that form the pathways of this thing. And as you sort of examine it, you realize that standing in this clearing, it is in, like this temple is placed in the middle of a circle that to an arcanist's mind looks like a ritual circle. To the mind of trained Jedi and those enlightened by uh, the events of like the Force and you know all the conflict you've been through, you guys sort of realize that you are perhaps standing on the Infinity Gate um, that is on this planet. Um, that there is like this mechanical structure that has been built um, under this like temple grounds. Um, she says, the last thing I will say to prepare you is that you will require the staff to activate the gate. So, rest well tonight, and in the morning we shall reconvene. And she leaves you. And Aaron and Digo join your, your circle. Is Aaron still a lizard? Uh, yeah, he still looks like a lizard. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I'm gonna look over at L. Um, hey, man, you are you okay? Huh? You are you good? Are you like? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm great. I'm so good right now. I mean, like. We're here if you want to talk about it. That's kind of a fucked up thing. They just told you they buried you. Yeah. Hey, hey, Rob, quick question. <laughs> Yard. Um, so, if I'm remembering correctly, right, when the, uh, when that force goes through me off the, uh-uh. off the cliff, he said bury it and see if it'll grow, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. That is a deep cut. <laughs> yeah. What's uh What's going through Al's mind right now? I think Al. Okay, because I just want to clarify. When I say people, I don't mean me as Amelia, because I'm not a little bitch. But <laughs> I think that Al is definitely grappling with the existential. Uh, crisis of am I the same person who died um the fact that the Bendu brought him back and at every point he's made the choice to do what benefits the Bendu um and wondering what parts of him have changed if any in death from the previous life like with how I mean, it's it's hard because he's like trying to reconcile the feelings that uh, they have like about the Jedi Order and all of that, and knows that like a lot of those feelings were 
already there beforehand, but wonders how they might have been exacerbated by this. And just like, it doesn't, it's interesting because it's like kind of like feeling used, but knowing that you made the choices, but also wondering like, if someone is presenting you the options, like you can only play the cards that you've been dealt anyway. And so just having a full scale existential like analysis and like trying to figure out what this means, what those trials could possibly be. And um, not to be like gay about it, but like, I think there's uh, a part of him that like, wishes that Akala was there because she was always better at this sort of like kind of like reason like she was very in tune with like this concept of the spirit and that and L has always just been a you point me somewhere you give me a job I do it um yeah and yeah and so it's just like It's just, like, every single emotion he's not been dealing with for literally the entirety of this campaign is, like, all hitting at once, and his only response is just a blue screen. Yeah, I mean, I... All of that resonates with me. Um, Playing as the DM, I'm I'm always sort of also, like, a little bit your subconscious, um, or your character's subconscious. And I do think that, like, yeah, as these thoughts of, like, agency and, like, am I the same before my death as I have been afterwards? And, like, I think part of you knows intuitively that you you did come back different when you re-entered the world after this experience. Mm. And I think there's, like, kind of two boring parts of that realization. One of it is, like, this existential dread of like, oh no, I'm not the same. Like my, like I died and I'm different. And like, how does that, you know, how do you ever kind of come back from that? And then the other side of it, which I think is more sort of like the Jedi aligned side of like, like you described, like we all kind of have a job to do sort of idea. And that part of you is kind of saying like, but like, we're always going to change. Like, do right. like there's kind there of part was... of, part oh, of you sorry. that's like, does not does not everybody go through a thousand different deaths and rebirths in their life to get to their end point? And I think like those two things like are probably conflicting very hard in your head of like, how do yeah. I progress through this? And I think there's also a part of L that's just like, there's no way to come back and not be different because like there's just there's literally like it like even if no one was like, if there were no external forces like that at like any traumatic event it will change you Hmm. and if it doesn't that's arguably worse (laughs) um but i i also think that there is it's the the missing months after the fact of like this concept of not really like being back and being alive and having to sort of relearn and reacquaint yourself with life um, and like not having any memory of that and not even in like a nefarious way of like, oh, what sorts of things was I exposed to? But like 
it's almost like going through like childhood again and having no knowledge of what things happened then that sort of reformulated your 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 worldview now and regardless of again it's not as though there were like external forces shaping you but just the idea that the person that you are now is built on someone who you have no memory of um in some ways and I think they're just, I mean, again, I'm not a little bitch. I would be fine with this, but I think <laughs> Elle is really struggling. I just want yeah. you to know, any of our listeners who are like, wow, that whole 20-minute thing, I would also feel that way. Just ended with, but if you feel that way, you're a little bitch. <laughs> I'm sorry. Dying and coming back is always fun and sexy, and I wish it could be me. I think there's also part of Elle that's like, people don't just come back to life. Like, that's not a thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, what? especially in this universe, like this sure. is yeah, this is um, yeah, and this is kind of a general sense amongst the party. I will say is that like it it is becoming quite obvious that this is a species, um, and we won't even really say species, but like this is a culture that is trapped in time from when they were the dominant intelligence in the galaxy and they were like the first really powerful force users and i think the the impression that that set of things gives with this temple and the way they talk about like you coming back to life and like worshiping the bendu is you sort of realize that like these people are working in a realm that is far older and more arcane than most people think and experience the force like in this present age in the galaxy the jedi and their power within the force are understood to be kind of a fabric of modern society in the way that like we sort of take air travel for granted in the sense of like it's sort of magic that we can fly middle buses in the sky but we understand the science behind it and that like coloring of scientific understanding within the force is what has dominated your guys' worldview for so long that now being confronted with things like force possession and like these like infi- this infinity gate technology and like talking about like worshiping a a force entity as your god and it bestowing powers and sort of a curse against this people you realize that like the force may be a much more arcane uh thing in the universe that perhaps you guys are familiar with dealing with and like that is i think is a worldview clash that is is being experienced here yeah um yeah so i guess to kind of respond to uh mix's initial inquiry uh l just says yeah this is a a lot to take in uh do do you need anything from us this is it's crazy yeah, no, I uh, I don't even really know where I'd begin to start talking. Yeah, no, that about it. That makes sense. Um, here, if you want to blow some steam, you know, a good sparring partner or something, I can shoot lasers at you. Can hit them with your lightsaber or something. Yeah, believe it or not, I think I've had a, enough of people shooting lasers at me for the time being. Just so. uh. Trying to use I, apply I, my skill set here. Yeah, no, I appreciate the sentiment, Rama. Uh, thank you. Okay, we are going to take a break from the main party 
to blip on over to Coruscant. We're going to hang out. What's going on there? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing really. I thought we left. (laughs) Um, Akala has been working very diligently um, on herself and on her progress back towards the light side of the force, um, much of which is covered uh, in the previous episode. So if you haven't listened to that, now is your time. Required um, reading. Yeah. That's your homework. <laughs> I haven't listened to that. Well, it's not out yet. Yeah, we recorded yeah, yesterday. <laughs> the important bits is that Akala, um, after several months of training mind, body, and soul, <laughs> <laughs> you have uh, worked yourself back into a place of relative mental stability. Um, you have reconnected with your uh, powers in the Force. You have made some new friends. You have uh, given back to your community. Uh, you hung out with some construction workers. You joined the army. Uh, <laughs> Not by choice. <laughs> I was forced to. And you have cleansed your kyber crystal of the previous wrathful vengeful energy that you had imbued to it when you fell from the light side uh, many months before. We are going to open with Akala in uh, the Grand Master's uh, chambers, um, which is a large open room with uh, padded seating that she never uses because she floats. Um, And you walk into her office through a big set of wooden double doors. Um, into this room that is well lit by natural light coming through several windows, and you find the Grand Master meditating. Um, as you walk in, not getting up from her meditation or opening her eyes, she says, Ah, Akla, thank you for coming. Of course. Um, I, I did it. Hmm, <laughs> yes, quite. I had heard from your master that you had accomplished the purification of your kyber crystal. And she opens her eyes a smidge uh, and looks at you and says, Have you rebuilt your shield? Uh, not yet, but I have some ideas, I think. Hmm. Well, you'll be wanting to get on that post-haste, I imagine. But having purified your crystal and coming to see me once more, I would like to teach you something special. Um, She floats over to you um, now kind of like fully out of her meditation um, and she uh, (laughs) presses a button on her desk and up from the ground uh, comes like a training dummy, like a canvas, like humanoid shaped training dummy. And she says... Watch closely, dear. I'm going to show you something quite powerful. Um, She extends both of her arms and makes a triangle with her hands. And out from her hands uh, starts glowing uh, a golden yellow light that sort of concentrates in her palms. And then after a moment, shoots out in this uh, beautiful golden light beam that uh, strikes the dummy uh, hard and you see singes it and... uh, blasts a hole into its chest. Um, And she says, this is a force power, quite unlike many of the powers that the Jedi practice in. It has been called, colloquially, the Ray of Ashla. 
I think that it would be a useful spell for you to learn. Yeah, it looks powerful. Wow. The caveat of this spell, as opposed to normal force powers like force push and force pull and so forth, is that it relies on channeling uh, the instincts of the light side of the force with a certain veracity that is accustomed to the dark side of the force, making it extraordinarily tricky for most Jedi to get a handle of. I think that your experiences would make you well fit to try to learn it. Okay. I think I can do that. Wonderful. So for the uh, next few hours, you sit uh, with Master uh, Emmy Grimwald, and you start learning the theory behind this force power. Um, and you go through very kind of a textbook that we're going, <laughs> going through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she explains to you that this is a force power that was... Um, Created principally by ancient Jedi Masters um, as a primary weapon against the forces of great evil back in the time when the Jedi and the Sith were um, kind of newly formed groups of force wielders kind of warring for power before more conventional weapons like lightsabers were fully developed. Um, And this is a, a very kind of anachronistic power that the Jedi have more or less like abandoned for what they consider to be more civilized forms of dealing with enemies. Um, yeah, so this is a, a beam of light spell um, that does uh, radiant damage um, that you learned from Master Grimwald. Um, and it presents itself as a beam of golden light. Um, and you uh, study with the Grandmaster and learn this ability. For now, uh, that is all that I'm going to ask of Akala. And we are going to move back to the party on Rodia. Hello, everyone. I hope you're having a good Wednesday. We have just released season four, episode 33. And um, I wanted to say thank you for waiting so very patiently for this episode. And I wanted to come on here to say that we have officially wrapped season four. Um, Kind of crazy. Um, And what that means is the very next episode is going to be the last episode of Guildfellows ever. Um, Kind of crazy, insane, insane. Um, It'll be the last, like, regular, like story episode we're going to have a season four wrap episode as we always do and then we're going to have a podcast post-mortem wrap up whatever 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 so as you're hearing this if you're in our discord channel uh our question channel will be open for both season four questions and podcast overall questions i think we're probably gonna like go season by season and just kind of reflect and see how far we've come and all this stuff um but take this as the opportunity to kind of you know talk to all of us as a unit for the last time possibly so um yeah that's that's what we're gonna do Um, Which also means this is going to be my last announcement, update, whatever thing ever, probably. So um, 
yeah I don't know that's really all I kind of have to say I'm a little behind on our social media pages so I apologize for that but um we'll we'll get there we'll catch up and um yeah next week's gonna be the very last story episode season four finale and then um I'm not a hundred percent sure when the wrap-up episodes are gonna happen they may not happen for a while simply because a lot of us are busy um and we're just kind of working around our schedule um so they might not happen for a few weeks we're gonna try to squeeze them in eventually um we're gonna try to squeeze them in quick but if they don't happen for a minute then they won't happen for a minute but they'll definitely at least come out this summer i will make sure that happens (laughs) um they'll come out as soon as i can wrangle everyone together so um yeah that's that's it i think that's all i really want to say i don't really need to go into the regular spiel that i do because i don't know it's it's almost over um yeah thank you to arcane anthems for the the theme song as always um and thank you to everyone who has listened uh thus far and i'll we'll get into it more once those wrap-ups come out um but yeah that's that's what i've got thank you for listening um that's all i've got for you guys today we love you all so much keep your heads up stay safe we love you i'll see you later bye bye It is the next morning. Uh, you two or you all have uh, slept uh, under the canopy of these uh, great trees around you in this clearing around the uh, temple ziggurat. You guys are free to take the test whenever, and Kuala awaits for you all um, at the base of the ziggurat whenever you are ready to ascend it and go through this ritual. Um, <clears throat> I guess I'm going to go find... Mix and L. I don't know which one I'd probably I'd find first. Probably Mix. That's a, a, a. Is this the same day or the next day? This is the next day. <clears throat> good uh, morning, Mix. How'd you sleep? I slept good after uh, roughing it out on those uh, fucking jungle floors. How about you? Yeah, you know, it was uh, it was nice. It was real nice. You know, some privacy means I could take my armor off, so felt a little bit better. Um. Great. Uh, you seen L? Do you think uh, they're doing better or? Let's uh, let's hope that they've had some time to process. Yeah, is L anywhere in particular um, on this morning? Um, I think L probably woke up pretty early and uh, just went somewhere to kind of be alone, do their little workouts. Um, yeah, just somewhere where there weren't really that many people. Gotcha. Yeah, you're kind of getting your morning sweat in, um, trying to, like, be in your body a little bit, um, this morning, kind of waking up. Um, yeah, and Aaron, I think, comes and finds you, um, and he says, Good morning, Elle. How are you feeling today? Like, all things considered, uh... I guess I could be worse. That is certainly true. 
things could always be worse. Yeah. So. You could be dead. <laughs> you know? Well, apparently Too that doesn't soon. last very long anyway. <laughs> Too soon, Anne. I don't know how you feel, Elle, but in my week of living again, I must say that it is comforting to learn that another creature has gone through a cycle of death and rebirth. Yeah, I don't really know how I feel about that, Aaron, if I'm being honest. I feel the same. It is a confusing process. Yeah. I have been doing research on how humanoids make connections with one another. And I have a proposal that I would like to offer you. Yeah, Elle kind of stops what they're doing and sort of just, like, looks up. I sense that you are the only person that I think I can relate to in this way. Would it perhaps interest you after all this said and done to form... And he, like, looks kind of, like, quizzically, um, like he's thinking of the right word, and he's like... Elle's also looking quizzically back at him. <laughs> Would you like to form a book club with me? A book club? Yes. I was thinking it could be a sort of social gathering um, for people that have uh, experienced life and rebirth in this way, as a, as a way to connect us and... Oh dear, have I said something foolish? I don't, like, have anything against books. Do you like to read books? Have you seen a book? <laughs> I do understand the concept of books, yes. I Perhaps I don't understand the concept of a book club. In my records, accessing previous memories, it was a way for especially aggrieved, middle-aged men and women to gather and share about their problems while pretending to care about a book that they read together. What if we, like, didn't pretend to care about the book? And we could just, like, hang out and maybe not talk, like, too much, but just talk a little bit? Ah, so we should form a club. I'm, like hesitant for the word club because I don't really want I mean I don't know how many other people there are but like do you want me to just show you what I'm doing right now and we can just do that together I would appreciate that alright I'm gonna show Aaron how to do push ups and other sort of like uh, what's the word calisthenics yeah just like I'm, we're just going to work out together, <laughs> and that's what we're doing instead of book club. <laughs> Jock club. Cool. So you, you like, show Aaron uh, the concept of, like, exercise and how to do them. Um, and you guys, like, mostly just work in quiet, um, trying to get some gains this morning uh, as a way, way to bond. <laughs> Uh, after a while, you do notice that the your other uh, compatriots are gather, gathering with Koala at the base of the ziggurat. Um, at your leisure, you may join them. Yeah, I'll join them at my leisure. Very good. <laughs> um, Koala looks at all of you and says, Good, I see we're all gathered. 
Are you ready to undergo your test? I hope so. I'm ready. As I'll ever be. Indeed. This is what is going to happen. I am going to lead you guys up to the zenith of the ziggurat. At which point, we will burn incense and you guys will meditate around the statue. From there, what happens will be out of our hands. And principally within your own minds. My only advice is to search for your source of strength. And carry that through with you through any trial. And then she turns and uh, leads you up the stone steps to the, uh, you know, top of this ziggurat. Um, at which, like I said, there is the the statue of the like large antlered figure of the Bendu sitting there with his hands outsplayed. Um, there is a notable absence of any sort of like staff or item in his hands, um, similar like to, to the statue in Kajik. There seems to be something missing from his right hand. Um, and as you guys gather at the top, you're instructed to uh, sit at, at three points around this statue. Um, and other members of the Qua species in robes uh, start burning incense around you. Um, after a few moments of sitting, a deep drowsiness clouds over your minds. And as you guys fall into a stupor, you guys feel yourself move in your own minds, to someplace else, someplace isolating. We'll, we will start with Rama. Rama, as you feel your eyes begin to close and your head fall forward, you get the sensation of what it's like to fall asleep in class, that sen sudden sense of like momentary unconsciousness and then blinking back up, catching yourself from sleep. And as you do and you do that blink, you look up and you are in a plane of smoke. You're in not the jungle, not a planet, you're in a dreamscape where you seem to be standing on a solid surface of white puffy smoke and all around you is clouds and mist. And from the mist, you start seeing figures. You see the ironclad form of your old clanmates, various Mandalorians, drifting dreamily through the smoke. You hear small voices call out to you. And then you see the face of your old forge master come through the smoke. It whispers to you. And the smoke forms into a mirror image of yourself. And you're confronted with your own helmet. Atop a body that is not yours. Who comes to meet you face to face. And he says. Why have we come here? Why do we see? Sorry I killed the Forge Master. First off, 
He started it. Um, a lot of people seem to die. That's how war works. Did I take responsibility? And I'm sorry. What I can do is wake up and try and be better tomorrow. And today, there was yesterday. At this defiant response, the smoke and figure in front of you dissolves, and behind it opens up a burning hellscape, a planet being shelled from above by lasers and mortar fire, and you hear the distant, cackling laughter of Telomax. And you see the surface of Coruscant burning, and you see planets crumbling, and the voice from the smoke comes up to your ear and says, This tomorrow, if you continue the fight, if this is what you want towards, would you not turn around? And then it shows you a vision of Alderaan and a peaceful plot of land, and a vision of you there tending to it, rocking gently on the front porch, your guns laid aside. This could be yours. Seen not death. Would you not rather this I am going to take a really deep breath, um, saying what I want most. <laughs> After all these years of fighting, um, say, <clears throat> there, uh, there's some places that are for peace, and I want nothing more to go to them. I've been walking toward there for I don't know how long, traveling along this big, empty, lonely, sad galaxy trying to get to that plot of land. But somebody has to make sure that there's peaceful plots of land for everybody else. If I get to survive and go there, then be it will. And I accept that. And if not, I accept that. I am a humble Claudite. But I'm a knight first. If the old Davy taught me one thing, it's not about running away. It's not even about fighting. It's about running too. Facing things. Not being afraid. Most of all, to give up the things that you want. I am a murderer. I killed the Forge Master out of rage because he killed my lover. But that was yesterday. If my tomorrow's a hellscape, fine. As long as somebody else gets that plot of land. The smoke clears at your words. And in front of you, 
stands shadows of old Davy and of Rosie and of old Debbie. And they, with their arms outstretched, welcome you into a golden clearing. And your vision ends. And so does your test. <gasps> oh, shit. <sighs> <laughs> um, Not you swearing at church. <laughs> Sorry. I say as I swear it in the Jedi Temple. <laughs> now to Mix. Mix, you undergo the same transition transition from waking to sleeping world and you find yourself in a similar smoky hazy filled dreamscape and you hear from the mist the sounds of a forge clanking and metal being wrought on iron and you see through the smoke a hint of your master bronze and you hear his voice. Ah, Mix, so long have you been away from the forge. Why have you gone? Where are you? And then his figure disappears. And through the smoke you hear the cackling of laughing children in the Jedi Order. And you hear jabs and barbs at the Arcanian child. They don't have any friends. They only spend time at the forge. They don't talk about other people. I don't understand that. And then bronze forms in smoke ahead of you and says, Where have you gone, my aloof little apprentice? Aging away in the forge while the world passes us by. Isn't that the life? That's what you should a difference. I'm at peace with myself. I'm at peace with who I am. And I want to make sure everyone else has the same opportunity for that peace. The smoke shifts and you, uh, before you see the vision of just like nameless, faceless members of the Jedi Order, some of them missing limbs, some of them like badly wounded, and you see that their smoky forms are colored in some places with blood. And you hear the voice of Bronze say to you again, What difference? Compared to your haters, you suffered hardly a whit. Just a finger. That is the greatest burden you've worn. And yet you wish to lay your life to the end of this quest. I'm a servant to the people around me. That's what I was taught in the Jedi Order, and I'm gonna uphold that belief. So I'm gonna do what I can to make sure our reign of peace stays. Now, similar to Rama, the clouds part, and it shows your forge completely destroyed. It shows the broken body of bronze, the broken form of match, and countless dead around the Jedi Order. And you hear from the smoke. Would you still fight if this is the end that your fighting brings? If I know that I did everything I could to prevent it, I'm at peace. 
And then another voice, a gravelly voice, an earthen voice, a kind-sounding voice comes from the smoke and says, Then at peace you shall live. And you see the clouds part and a golden landscape lays in front of you. And your dream ends. And finally, to L. L, you do not wake up in a dreamscape. You wake up on a familiar, barren planet in between two swirling planets above of red and blue. You find yourself on Typhon. And in front of you is the figure of the Bendu himself. His antlered, stony visage looking down upon you fondly. And he does not pose the same test upon you. You can see that he is crumbling away. That his vines look sickly. That the rocks that form his broad shoulders are crumbling. And his voice, once strong and resonant in your mind, is weak. And he says, Well, my dear boy, we see each other one time again. And perhaps for the last time. The, the last time? My power is waning. The cycle of the universe spins against me. But, as I decline, yet others shall rise. I have not been fair to you, El. Much of what has happened has been out of your control. And I have asked much. Any test I could ask of you, you've passed a hundred times. It is my turn to sit and to listen. And for you to make the choices. You, um... I think you placed a good bet. I think I did too. For formality's sake, I still must test you. But it is not so much a test as a, a favor to ask. Will you continue the fight? You need not. You, you should go back and live your life, make your choices. Like I said, you placed a good bet. I never made you do anything. That is not my nature. I know. You won't be able to do it alone. Trust in your friends. Wouldn't have gotten this far without them. That's a good lad. And he crumbles away. And you awaken with your group, around the statue at the center of the shrine. Aaron is there, greeting you all as you wake up. 
as you all kind of come to in the same moment, uh, you all feel intensely hungry and thirsty. And frankly, a little bit backed up in the inside. Aaron informs you, Hello, welcome back to the waking world. You have been all out for three days. Oh, what? It was that long? That did not feel like three days. Have I eaten? Am I still alive? Have I drank? I've been administering food and water to you as needed. How'd you get around the helmet? Um, Aaron kind of like looks at you and is like, I don't think you want me to answer that. Uh, Yeah, never mind. You guys kind of all wake up, um, and Aaron is going to do some work here to describe to you how your surroundings have changed. You all look around, and Aaron kind of narrates to you uh, this. While you were being tested, as I've been told it is called, you were asleep around this statue for three days. As you guys progressed from day to day, the statue began to change. All around the compound, changes started occurring, actually. It began by the carvings on the outskirts of the clearing. They began to fill and to glow. And moving toward the ziggurat, the statue itself started to glow and to change. During the third night, the statue started to grow more and more vines and branches until in the palm of its hand it created a staff. This morning, when it seemed to stop, you all woke up. And true to form, in in the palm of the statue of the Bendu in front of you, there is a wooden, uh, like, braided staff of vines with, like, leaves growing out the top of it. Koala beside you all says, It appears that you all have passed your test. Uh, it's probably the first time I've heard that in my life, but uh, thank you. It's uh, it's an honor. I couldn't have done it without my team. What would have happened if we failed? Yeah, wait a minute. Uh, sort of fuzzy on the details on, on that one. Uh, best guess is that you would have been absorbed by the power of the staff and uh, consumed into nature. Good. You would have died? No, no. I mean, probably. <laughs> By a living stick. Um, <laughs> I, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> like Brahm is going through like all the Nexu battles, and he's like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> uh, when you say living stick, Elle's like Rama. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes, well, I'm glad somebody has manners. <laughs> uh, what would you guys like to do? Um, I'm gonna go up to the statue. Wonderful. Um, you see now that the statue has like fully reformed itself, that it is indeed a statue of the Bendu. Um, and in its palm is uh, a wooden staff. I very reverently extend my left hand toward the staff on the statue. Okay. And unless something immediately happens, I'm just going to very gently touch. Is, is it like sideways or vertical? 
Which way is it going? It's kind of like slanted. So it's like going from like his crossed knee like up past his shoulder. So you can like kind of like grab it out of the palm of its hand. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to kind of on the upper side of the slant just touch it very briefly. Yeah. Um, you feel immediately that this is a very powerful force object that uh, is like has its own identity and like properties, but you don't feel any sort of like recoiling energy from you. In fact, it feels very natural. It feels like a kind of an extension of the connection you already have with the Bendu as you touch it. Oh, mutters. All this shit's way above my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> and no swearing in church. <laughs> you can't hear that. I muttered it. Yeah, you're facts, facts. You're right. <laughs> you also have um, one ear. Strike <laughs> <laughs> disadvantage. Wait a minute. Sorry, this is not the time. No. Um, I'm going to very gently put my hand around it and pull it away from the statue. You do. And as you do so, you feel uh, an energy from this temple ground release. And as you grab the staff from the center of the statue of the Bendu, a great, great stream of white light shoots up from the plinth of the ziggurat. And by claiming the staff, you have awoken an ancient power of both technology and force. And above the ziggurat, about a mile into the air, a giant swirling circular gate forms, showing a window to a blue and desolate wasteland of a planet where a great storm rages on. Um, I turn back to Kuala. What, what does this mean for you all? The Infinity Gate has opened once more, and as prophesied long ago, a champion of the Bendu has taken up his mantle to lead the forces of light, or I suppose perhaps the forces of the Bendu himself, of balance and order, to confront a great evil. And so, our jobs as protectors of this place ceases to be needed, and over time we shall fade. Thank you. It is our duty. We're gonna go back uh, toward Mix and Rama. I know you all probably got something similar to what I got. We were meditating around the statue, but this is your last chance, you know, to jump off. Nah, I'm I'm here to the end. Well, I got a chance. I'll be seeing you guys later. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, uh, I don't know. Life's better with you and Adele. I don't want to leave before I have to. All right. Well, that gate's not going to be open forever. So. All yours, Chief. Um. So the gate is like in, in the atmosphere. It's not that high up, but you guys will... It's, like, big enough to fly starships through it. Um, so before you guys contact your your ship for a pickup and you go through this portal, um, the Qua and Aaron are going to uh, come up to all three of you. Um, L, the, the stat block for the staff is in the live. 
chat uh go ahead and just take a look at all those powers just for um going over it briefly the staff has 10 charges it's a magical quarter staff um you can use the uh force powers bark skin locate animals or plants speak with animals speak with plants wall of thorns and teleportation the staff also has a form called tree form you can use the action to plant one end of the staff into an earth and expend one charge to transform the staff into a healthy tree that is 60 feet tall and has a five foot diameter trunk so those are the powers of the staff of the Bendu, also called the Root of Yggdrasil. To Mix and Rama, Aaron presents to you guys several gifts. In the three days since you guys have been meditating, I have been working with the Kwa and investigating their ancient technology, and I have convinced them to give up several gifts to you all. First, to Mix. And he hands you a gauntlet that uh, has a blue gem in the, the center of it on the back of the palm that is made of metal, um, of gold and silver. Um, that's for you. Um, this is a controller gauntlet. It was uh, manufactured as part of the standard kit of the Qua soldiers. Uh, it does require a decent amount of strength and intelligence to use, but well within your range. It is a, a powerful weapon, but it also comes at a great cost. It manipulates the user's skeletal and, and uh, nervous system to wield effectively. But while attuned, you will gain a advantage, or not advantage, that's a mechanical thing. You will be able find that your strikes hit harder um, and that you will be able to deal them with greater proficiency. It also has a series of powers, I believe, that you will find to be most useful. Um, and the powers are listed there one of them is called Tech Control, which allows you to essentially hack into any piece of technology, um, passing an intelligence check. There's uh, the action Blast Shield, which as a reaction you can cast Shield, um, and if you block an attack you can make a counterattack in turn. Um, and then there is a ability called Mix and Match, um, which allows you to now cast Force Powers through your droid. Oh, sick! So sick. Okay, so Akala, that is, uh, that is your weapon. Um, Akala. That, that's number three the, for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> mix. So mix, you get a magical gauntlet. Uh, <laughs> Rama. <clears throat> yes. Um. Aaron goes up to you and says, "May I see your sword, Rama?" Uh. Can I like still hold on? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. 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 I'm gonna, like close my eyes and like <laughs> give up the weapon. <laughs> so you hand over your Beskar steel sword uh, and give it to Aaron, and he uh, modifies the hilt of it with a strange piece of technology that has a kyber crystal affixed to it. And so now on the pommel of your uh, sword is uh, this like glowing, um, like swirling blue kyber crystal. And he hands it back to you and says, this is a, a Quam Warp Sword augment. Using Quam Starship technology, which was developed from a mastery of discrete portal usage and by manipulating the forces of gravity, you are now able to use some interesting abilities with this sword. <laughs> so this gives you two new abilities to use with this sword. The first is called Vault Breaker. As a bonus action, you can dash up to 15 feet in any direction of your choice and make one attack with the sword against the creature you dash towards. If you hit, you can try to shove the creature as part of the attack. 
The second one, which is probably of greater interest to you, is called Excessive Force. Um, so this is one once per, per rest. As a bonus action, you can empower the sword with the gravitational energy used from the Kyber Crystal and the Shard of the, uh, of the Hilt. And the next attack you make with a sword um, within the end of your turn deals an additional 1d12 bludgeoning damage. <laughs> That's awesome! <laughs> um, what's that at the top? Oh, the other thing you get, Rama, is this. <laughs> I, um, my, my brain went towards it, but that's awesome. Thank you. One of the one of the qua hands you a uh, glass flask filled with a strange, like dark crimson uh, fluid, and gives it to you and says. This is a mixture that will help you with speed and agility during combat. It is great dragon blood mixed with steroids and caffeine. Oh, um, you know how to speak is, my language. It is a potion of speed. Um, <laughs> Sick. So, so it'll give you haste uh, for ten minutes of uh, combat. Yeah, um, <laughs> I love how these like ancient, like ritualistic reverence space magic monks are like we mix great we mix blood caffeine and steroids we thought you'd like it <laughs> the quag saw you with armor and a sword and were immediately like this guy definitely throws down in the battlefield we'll give him the great dragon blood <laughs> um yeah so it'll get it's a potion of speed so with these with these uh powerful boons in hand you guys are ready to go through the stargate um we're gonna flavor this as aaron calls to your ship and drops your coordinates um and the claw kind of direct the thorn uh driven by uh dale thorpe down into the clearing and you guys are ready to board your ship and go through this uh infinity gate whenever you are ready lead the way hell yeah Rama, aren't you piloting? Aren't you oh, driving? shit, you're right. Sorry about that. I was trying to be a... Uh... Yeah, hold up. <laughs> All right. Let's go, old girl. And you uh, gun it through the infinity uh, gate. Um, as you pass through, a very similar sensation happens uh, around your ship when you enter hyperspace and you feel yourself flung um, through the fabric of space and time um, and in an instant you and you find yourself hovering just above the planet surface of Lehan. This is a dusty planet similar to our own planet of Mars except that the dust and rock that covers much of the planet instead of being an iron red is a cobalt blue. You can see that the sands of this planet have overrun many of the uh, buildings and pieces of infrastructure that were long left behind thousands of years ago at the fall of the Infinite Empire. And as your ship hovers above the sands, you see the poking tips of ancient skyscrapers and buildings emerging with strange geometry and alien shapes from the sands. Much of the planet is uh, dusty and rocky, with several glassy oceans on the surface. There are uh, trees and other vegetation uh, that you don't necessarily recognize, but look to be adapted for arid and dry environments. 
much of this planet is a desert. Um, as you sort of do scans on your ship, you see that there are many craters, um, which Aaron and Rosie inform you are likely the results of impacts of ancient starships um, and the remnants of previous battles that occurred on a galactic scale around this planet. From the spot you are seeing, that you are currently parked in with your ship, you see in the distance a massive swirling storm with bolts of lightning crashing through it and a dark red glow coming from somewhere inside. This storm is the size of a Category 5 hurricane. It is six miles across. Um, <clears throat> Rosie, set the... Uh... Uh, set the ship to uh, weather the high winds, uh, keep defensive shields up in case of debris, uh, divert powder thrusters to ensure ma maximum maneuverability. Uh, can you get a reading on anything inside that storm? Analyzing the storm. Anomalies detected. Strange elemental forces are at play. Anomalies, plural. Uh, can I get a reading on them? How many? What do they look like? This storm is not a naturally occurring storm. It appears to be powered by something extraordinarily large and powerful at the center. I sense that the energies at play are neither nature nor entirely man-made, but of a third kind. I think the category that makes sense is that of a force storm. Uh, alright gang, has anybody uh, ever heard of this? Um, everyone kind of like looks around like, no. <laughs> yeah, Rama, we're kind of in unprecedented territory. I don't know if they covered it in Jedi school, alright? No, they didn't. Uh, do you think the staff thing could calm it down? No, I think we kill whatever's causing it and that calms it down. Uh, you know what? I'll take a direct approach. Uh, Rosie, we're gonna get a little bit closer in. Is there any solid ground we can land on to take it down, or...? I can bring you to the edges of the storm, approximately two miles away from the center. The conditions uh, will... I don't think I can shoot it from two miles away, but continue. The conditions are quite hectic. It is the equivalent wind force of a Category 5 hurricane. The regional effects are quite extreme. I sense that there is a sort of repulsion coming from the center that is interfering with some of my systems and technology. Um, as you kind of like are flying like on, on the outskirts of the storm, you do see that like there's ice build up on the edges of your ship and that there is like torrential rain Damn. and like, winds down on the surface. Uh, I don't want you to get hurt, old girl. Uh, Shit. El, what do we do? Two miles away? I think we go for the safest place to land that won't tear us immediately to shreds. And we got speeders if we need to move. <sighs> Alright, Rosie, uh... Take us in. Um, also, as this is happening, I'm gonna cast Force Intuition on myself, which is a new spell that I learned. Great, why don't you describe what that does for me? Um, yeah, I think L, we spend so much time like meditating and all that good stuff. Um, just sort of takes a deep breath 
and uh, inhale and on the exhale their eyes glow that like faint blue even though they're closed you can kind of see it uh, illuminating behind the eyelids as uh, he centers himself um, and the, the language of the spell is your senses attuned to your environment for the duration, allowing you to see things before they happen and react either faster than normal. Um, I can use my force casting ability modifier in place of dexterity when I make initiative checks. Um, and uh, yeah, it also has some surprise rules that may or may not be useful here. Okay. Um, so the first cast of the spell and you're on the, the edge of a very powerful force storm. Casting this spell, you do intuit that it is a force storm indeed, like Rosie said, that this is being generated by a very powerful entity or perhaps entities that are strong within the force. Casting this spell, you see visions of things that are somewhat unclear. You see um, a giant red uh, circular eye shape. It's not quite an eye, but it is like a symbol evocative of that, a swirling pool of blood and lava churning in a perfect circle at the center of this storm and you also get glimpses of a figure encased entirely in lightning hovering above it and around that figure is moving um, shapes that are being dislodged from deep under the earth and re-put together in the atmosphere you also get the sense of uh, bodies shuffling around in the storm don't like that don't like it. Do I know this L's eyes glowing? <laughs> Am I focused on driving? <laughs> I would hope you're focused on driving. <laughs> I, I feel like if there's like a there's like the the rearview mirror and I look up or you know, I see L's eyes glowing. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> okay, um, so you take the ship in for a landing. Um, we're going to. Join the party now on the ground. You guys have landed your ship at the the edge of this storm. Um, on the surface, you are on the dusty blue rocky planet of Lehan, um, and this storm rages um, around you and in front of you. Um, like I said, there are, are tense winds and rain coming down upon you. On the edge of the storm, it is lighter than as it gets into the middle. Um, you guys exit your starship. And uh, whenever you're ready, you may enter the storm. Uh, <clears throat> you first, Al. Yeah. Uh, Al will... Al will take a step off into the storm. Does he, like, disappear? Because that would make this even more intimidating. <laughs> um, Al walks in, and after a few steps, their uh, outline is blurred uh, by the swirling whims, uh, or swirling wisps of cloud and rain and storm all around them. Um, before Mix and Rama can step into the storm, um, Aaron kind of plants his feet by the ship um, beside him, Digo, um, and he announces, now back into his more like standard form, no longer looking like a qua, but Aaron says, I think that it would be best for us to stay behind and watch the ship. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, that's convenient. You see... I'm kidding. <laughs> oh. Explain anyway, though. I'm, I'm here for it. I worry that my particular biological and 
otherwise physical structure is not compatible with fierce swirling rain and lightning. I don't know how useful I can be in a battle such as this. Um, are you feeling okay too with the, uh, the orb in your chest? Is El- wait. Yeah, El- Oh, I'm not there. there. You, well, you only took like a step or two like into like the, the cloud of storm, so you're, you're good. Yeah. Um, you can come back out. Um, he kind of considers and like touches his chest and says, I do feel a disturbance within me. I think centered around the orb. I think it is reacting poorly with whatever is happening at the center of the storm. I am afraid to enter. Then I think you staying here is the best option. Yes, I can stay here in case of emergency. You can also stay here to keep yourself safe. That is another acceptable reason. And I just think that I'm way over my head, and I... Yeah, no, Digo, you... Yeah, you're good. Digo, cool, uh... Cool. Like, I'm we're gonna give you, afraid. like, a bonus, assuming we survive <laughs> and shit. And then if we don't survive, the universe is gonna, like, die or something, so... Combat pay, etc. But, you know... <clears throat> there's gonna be Hello. a bunch of ashes where the planets were. I'm sure there'll be something vaguely livable. And, uh... If the three of us, you know, bite the dust, then, uh... Someone's got to take the ship back and land it on a planet of desolate nothingness, so... Right. Just, um... Just come back, okay? All of you. Uh... I'll do my best. Uh... Okay. Thanks for, uh... No hard feelings about shoving you... Uh... Into a cryo-sleep chamber, by the way. Ah, that's... It's far in the past. We have done much more dangerous stuff since then. I would love to be shoved in carbonite right now. I could just sleep through all of this and not have to worry about the fact that the universe might be destroyed if we fail. I appreciate your honesty. Um, Alright, gang. Uh, I guess I'm next. I'm gonna walk into the storm. Okay. And you also disappear into the cloud cover. Yep, I'm following behind. Um, Match clings close to your shoulders mix and you walk into the storm and you guys start making your way through rain through fog and through wind towards the center of the force storm we're going to pause with this party for a moment and go see how things are in coruscant akala over the past day uh well some some time has passed since you learned uh you had that lesson with uh Grandmaster Emmy Grimwald. And there's been a great disturbance felt across the galaxy. Above the Jedi Temple, a strange, swirling gate has appeared, the apparent remnants of ancient technology coming into life unexpectedly. And you are called to a meeting with the Grand Master in her office once again. And as you enter the Wood double doors, you see Master Grimwall standing, well, not standing, floating at her desk. Standing beside her is Master Ugle, Master Kobe Cornelius, Master Bronze Beckham, and a figure in military garb and uniform that you don't recognize, a sort of sandy-haired man in his mid-twenties with a helmet and a set of battle scars um, with the Easy Company patch on it. 
Ah, Arkala. Thank you for joining all of us. As I'm sure you're aware, a mysterious portal has opened up above the surface of Coruscant, and let me tell you, people are real pissed about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine, after all the cleanup we just did. Of course. It's not seeming to do any damage, but now the Jedi have to answer why there is a gate floating above the Jedi Temple. And of course, I know the answer to this, but the people really aren't ready to hear the fact that there is something called an Infinity Gate that exists on the Jedi Temple grounds. Right. Yes. Uh, realizing that you don't know what this is, this is an ancient port- She kind of gestures out the window to where, like, the portal <laughs> yeah. is swirling, and you see, like, a bunch of, like, red and blue flashing lights of, like, Jedi and other police, just like, ships. Just kind of out like- there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well... In short, this is a relic of the technology of the Infinite Empire. The Infinity Gates were once used to connect various worlds together without the use of hyperspace travel. Very quickly explains, like, the technology Mm -hmm. behind this. Anyway, this is all relevant because this technology was last associated with the Infinite Empire, the artifacts of which you and your compatriots were looking for. So, summing all this up, We believe that these gates have activated across the galaxy because something has happened. Something of great momentum and import. Forces are moving through the galaxy that have not moved for quite some time. And we think it all started on Rhodia. Now, we have reason to believe because of some mysterious logins to our Jedi database far in the reaches of the galaxy, that your compatriots have something to do about this. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Which brings us to sort of a conundrum. As the Jedi, we cannot sit idly by while a swirling gate is open above our city. And so we are forming a group to go and investigate. And I'm guessing I'm going to be a part of that group. If you're feeling up to it, I have a sinking feeling that your friends are in danger. I am. I'm ready. Of course you would not be going alone. These fine gentlemen around me have all volunteered their services, as well as a company of Easy Company coming with you. I salute to the Easy Company people. Ma'am? This is Lieutenant Valkyrie. He has offered the services of his squadron to help you as well. Um, the Jedi Masters kind of like all look at you, kind of considering. Um, and then like the tone of the room gets like very quiet and sort of solemn as you kind of get the impression that there's something not being said. And the kind of like a pregnant pause fills the room. Can I ask if there is something else that needs to be said? Bronze, like, looks, like, very, like, shifty and kind of says, You don't, uh, need to go through with this if you're not feeling ready. It's... We think that this is a life or death scenario for not just those that go through the portal, but if everything that we've learned is true over the past four or five months, then the fate of many worlds may be on the line. Uh, she considers this, 
for a minute. Um, probably a little unsure, but also remembering all of the training that she's just been through and all of the growth that she's just been through. Um, and she says, I helped start this journey. I think it's only fit that I help end it. Okay. Well, Grandmistress, should we... Should we show her then? Indeed, I think it is time. There is a small box on the Grandmaster's table covered in a cloth. With a flick of her wrist, she unfurls the cloth and raises the box in front of herself, and out from it she draws a shattered hilt of a dagger. She says, This is Alu Eridai, the broken hilt of Ashla's sacred dagger. It has been kept as a dear relic of the Order for generations, hidden in secret in the vaults deep underneath the Jedi Temple. It has been used only a handful of times, and moments of great need to smite the forces of darkness. The last to wield it was bronze. And he kind of looks up and like looks very kind of ashamed at himself and says, it, it was when. It was on Hosnian. Aquanauts, yeah. Yeah, you, you know what he's getting down. Um, bronze kind of takes over the explanation and says, it's of uh, peculiar design, handle of ivory and silver, blade of gold, blue inlets. The blade is broken a few inches from the length of the hilt and has blue sapphires in the cross guard. This artifact is incredibly powerful. Only those with the greatest capacity for light are able to wield the blade effectively, but it is not pacifism and purity that guides the bite of this blade. It is passion, more than peace, that fuels its great power. Those with great strength of will, those who love fiercely, those who may even break the rules to protect their principles, who understand that protecting beauty sometimes requires treaded sacrifice. Thus the blade also attracts those with the greatest risk of falling to the dark and requires great focus and clarity of purpose to wield effectively. Akala, you have always been a prime candidate to wield such a weapon if the need ever arose. And the need has arisen. Could I ask of you something terrible? To risk all that you've worked for over these long months? To take up this blade against forces of evil? Um... She is studying the blade pretty intently, but then looks the Grandmaster in the eyes and says, I won't fail you. I know, dear. I know. Then it's settled. This fellowship shall accompany you through the portal and to whatever dangers await you there. The next day is a flash of preparation. You are given the hilt of this shattered dagger to accompany you and you feel its sense of grim power but in its inert state still broken it feels somewhat less than you would expect and the full nature of this artifact is a mystery to you at the moment 
that you guys load up in an easy company ship and with the Grand Master's blessing and the Masters beside you, you fly into the portal into the land of Lehan. You land down in a similar spot where the portal left the rest of the party. From the skies, you are able to spot that their ship has landed, and yet you see no trace of them. It is unclear how long they have been here and how far ahead they are from you. So, with Akala's re-entrance into Lehan, we will pause for today. Tomorrow, we will pick up with uh, the end of the finale. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.